Fire Tribe, where you at? I hope you're ready, rising from the ashes and it's getting heavy Conspiracies, we got plenty and some are scary From aliens to Bigfoot, extraordinary, yeah, yeah Danunaki Dan and the homie Romy I was bugging out, all the crazy things he showed me Jesus bloodlines to the stars in the skies Always a good time, vibing with the fire tribe Hey, So wake up, wake up, get it cracking Rise out the ashes, I know you got a passion Kick off the combo with theories, many conspiracies Other dimensions, plenty ancient history Fire tribe, where you at? Wake up we about to get into it, I know you can't get enough At home, at work, it don't matter, turn it up Rising from the ashes, you know what's up, ayy uh, Rising from the ashes Yo, what's up Fire Tribe, welcome to Rising From the motherfucking ashes Welcome to Divine Feminine Month and the Group Show Today on the show we have Rachel Munoz Got Buffalo and Legs from False Reality Check, and back with us, Elaine. How's it going, everybody? Say hello. It's going Hi. good. You there? Hi. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> uh, Rachel, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, because I'm not too familiar with you, other than uh, you uh, co-host on uh, Odin's Alchemy with... Benjamin Balderson. Yeah, I've been doing just a rune series with him, and we're going to dive into the poetic Edda, talking about all those stories from the masculine and feminine perspective. So that'll start next month. Um, I frequent Weaving Spiders Welcome. Sometimes I do some interverse, do some art, kind of just study whatever, kind of a mystic, kind of just myself. Cool. My flowing legs. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. How saucy you are. Do you want to take that? The divine feminine? Oh my gosh. Well, I am Legs, and this is my husband, Buffalo. We are co host of False Reality Check, um, which is a podcast we started together when we were back in Cali, um, Southern California, to be exact. And, you know, we had corporate jobs, did the whole um, city life. Um, materialistic lifestyle and long story short, mushroom trip completely 180 <laughs> and decided that we wanted to be more self-sufficient, live a life that we truly deserve. Um, got Kind of got pushed out of our jobs slash quit our jobs, moved out of Cali. Now we're in Idaho and we're just kind of chronicling that journey, um, looking at conspiracies, things that are presented to us that we know this, uh, false reality gets manipulated i guess i don't know how to explain it go for it yeah we just kind of want to break the barrier the wall that's behind everything yeah i didn't didn't want to say matrix because yeah because i don't know that could be a good thing because it means womb yeah but um i think we just wanted to break through and leaving our jobs and now we're working for ourselves kind of makes us uh live a more uh present life where we're before we were go 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 very rat race and now it's like what are we going to do today you know everything's kind of like an adventure so it's pretty cool yeah and and just reconnecting with ourselves too, our inner masculine and divine feminine yeah let's uh reconnect with that a little bit right now let's kind of get into that um you said break on through uh break on through to the other side right uh 
that's kind of what we do when we're born, right? We uh, come through the creatrix, the womb matrix, right? And come into this life. Um, so does anybody have anything else to go on off of that? I think it's kind of funny that it's like it's pushed like break out of the matrix, get out of there. Like it's really like pushed on people. Yeah. But it's actually just a very natural process if you're aware or if you right. have somebody to guide you or if the right conditions allow you to learn, which is, I think it's funny it, because the system sets people up to be super blind and then forces them into like a forced initiation, like a forced birth. It's very bizarre. It's one matrix into another, you know, it's one form into another function and form, you know, <clears throat> and it's, uh, like we, I was kind of going on today with, um, with a pal, <laughs> a good old pal, you know, uh, about simulation, uh, cause I was, um, told to watch free guy, right? And like, well, oh, free guys, it's a great movie. And I was just like, dear God, like, there's no good movies anymore, but I'll, I'll give it a chance. Um, and it was, I, you know, it was whatever, um, Ryan Reynolds is hot. So, uh, actually, I, I like that one movie I saw with him back in the day. You know, he's kind of a babe, whatever. Uh, anywho, Jesus Christ, I divert. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it's simulation is, is like the, a controlled set of rules or parameters of something set from an ulterior force or something outside of that rules and parameters, something that gives those rules and parameters. And, that's everything. Everything has rules and parameters within, within some sort of threshold. You know, on a cellular level, we have a cellular simulation. You have these rules, regulations that are given by the body parts that have an, uh, like an ulterior source that puts that simulation on that, right? That puts these, these very beautiful form and function into that. And so those things can metamorphosize or, or transmute and transform. Um, but it's one simulation to the next, you know, it's like breaking through to these levels and we'll never be out of the, uh, you know, a, any sort of algorithm or any sort of matrix or any sort of simulation. We're always going to be within that because it is it, life. Life is that life is that, but we have societal simulation, which is here on the physical plane society. Then you have the cosmic reality which is like a you know a cosmological simulation which has its rules and parameters and edges and you know levels of consciousness and stuff yeah agreed and it's interesting the more you get out of that city environment that whole um go 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 rat race mentality the more you you're able to connect with nature with yourself um and kind of for me lately, what I've been doing is kind of trying to understand, um, not to get too personal, but my cycles and how I, in a way, each part of that cycle is similar to the seasons we go through and trying to connect with what I feel at each stage um, and going with that. And same with men, like you guys go through different cycles, may, <laughs> may not be like menstrual related, but I'm sure I'm not too familiar with that, but we go through cycles you guys definitely have to go through cycles and it's just connecting with every day connecting with yourself trying to understand how am i feeling today um i don't know simple things like that and you'll just start connecting with source god whatever you want to call it more yeah um i think one of the things that we talked about this month was the whole aspect of the goddess 
and uh, the kind of the removal of the goddess um, in history. It seems like we went through um, like a matriarchal, omniarchal, I guess, uh, society with man and woman both being able to have rule and or dominion over people as goddesses. And then we kind of came into a patriarchal society and we have lost that goddess aspect. And now it's become more masculine and everything has been demonized about the female. And as a male, it's hard for me to talk about that thing that, uh, so that's what you girls are here for is to help guide us through what struggles and things that you have to deal with in the society that we live in now uh, that you're kind of more aware of or in tune to than, than what we would ever be. And, and what are those kind of hurdles that you have to go through in society uh, to just try to be fit in or be aware of, if that makes sense? Probably not. Totally. It, no, it does. <laughs> Rachel, you want to, you want to take it or? Rachel. I can. <laughs> I I thought of that story I told you guys the last time I saw you um, about that mask that I made. So one thing that I've noticed is um, balancing nature and natural reactions Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to attraction and sexuality. Because I think, you know, telling people to totally not react to each other is just stupid. That's just not logical. It's never going to happen because we're that's just how humans are we are very attracted to each other because we're meant to be. Um, so just kind of navigating ways to make that fun without destroying other people or leading people on all kinds of stuff like that. So the story I told on false reality check was um, I had to wear a mask for work. Sorry guys. I did. Um, <laughs> but I did not want to wear those garbage masks that they were passing out. So I made one and I went to the fabric store and found like, wedding material because like something on my face it's going to be breathable if I have to wear this all day um so I made this mask and it was so weird because I would have men come in and I worked in an office environment with like different types of businesses like my office it was like a shared workspace so we had a lot of attorneys come in but people would start making extremely sexual comments at me, like incredibly inappropriate for the workplace type of thing. Like I've been around all kinds of people in my life. I can take a joke. I can, you know, mess with it. I can joke back, but at some point it gets incredibly like, um, you don't know me. (laughs) What makes you think that you can say, Oh, it looks like panties. Ooh. And like make dick jokes. We don't even, we just barely met. You want me to notarize something for you and you're making dick jokes at me. Like, what is that about? (laughs) It was very bizarre. It was really surreal. And I think one of the first times it happened, it caught me so off guard that it just, I was shook. (laughs) Like, I don't get shook. It takes a lot. And so it was like, it was the weirdest thing. And I called one of my coworkers, like, do I get him for sexual harassment. Cause I have a sense of humor. Like I can tell he's joking, but like, I don't want to nail someone for sexual harassment. That's just stupid. If we can be adults and joke about it, you know, but it's the workplace. So navigating those lines is something that I have found to be very interesting. 
everywhere I've ever worked, even just hanging out, you know, it's, it's just very fascinating that that's not something that's easily handled (laughs) by any institution. No one can teach you how to do that. (laughs) That kind of resembles the concept where people, you know, make uh, jokes and, and then they say, Oh, well you were asking for it or, something like that you know what I mean it it reminds me a little bit of that and that's it's so masculine to do that to assume I mean as a man I I sometimes wish that girls would hit on me like that like (laughs) you know like like if I had a mask on my face if they're like hey can I just you know maybe would breathe better with my vagina on your face I would laugh at that (laughs) hilariously I think that's really funny um, I think uh, sometimes guys get kind of over over uh, sexual with things because they're trying to be funny and break the ice and they they want to make stupid sex jokes because we're all about fart, fart and dick jokes. I mean, really, uh, when it comes down to it, uh, I, 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 I understand that men are kind of out of their lane in, in some circumstances. Usually you should make those jokes to people that you're, you know, pretty well, not not that people that you don't know very well and definitely not in at work where you're it's a place of business and you're supposed to conduct yourself in a business manner but um it's all about tension though you know it's important yeah i think there's some tension there too because we we feel unconnected to each other from having these things on our face and this is the way that men feel like they can make a connection to the girl is is sexual and and so they go there i'm just saying that's that's i'm not saying that's right i'm just saying that's that's how i think so i mean i think dick joke dick jokes in the workplace is how like you get through the day (laughs) i'm not disagree with you Like I, like I said, it's about intention, you know, like mm-hmm. if, if, if his intention is to actually like, you know, he's visualizing these things and, you know, doing it, you know, as opposed to like situational comedy It's like, yo, you know, <clears throat> there's the time and a place. And if, if the time and a place is a hundred percent and on a skew and there's an intention behind it, it kind of makes it feel a little too sticky. You know, that's not, that's not a joke at that point. And like, you know, like that's like a, Hey, like, do you like, you know, fucking buy me a, a fucking drink first, dude? Like, what the fuck? You know, like, that's like, it's, there's a time and a place and, and there's intention. And, you know, and that's the thing is we have these archetypal like subjects intention. that are, you know, and groups that we can just categorize like men do this thing because of so on and so forth. Well, I was raised by a single mother, you know, like I, 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 that's not really my style. I am a man. And lucky for me that like, you know, so like I, when we, when we, it's not just one, two, you know, men, women, you know, like I I think a lot of it has to go down with like, it's so situational on deep down, like traumatic based experiences in people's lives and stuff like that, you know, Um, and then people's ways of dealing with their, um, with those types of, of issues, you know, and, and so like that guy's obviously got some fucking, you know, some deeper seated issues and traumas that he's actually probably never touched on or touched with. And well, uh, probably has a terrible relationship with women in general. Yeah, exactly. Well, so the point that I really want to get to is not just that kind of surface stuff. Cause that's actually very surface. How do we 
the women here and the women that might be listening come into sacred sexuality mm. as embracing being a sex goddess, being a creatrix. Yes. How do you walk around exuding that without everybody around you going, oh, I need that. I need that right now. I don't know why, you know, because... Um. <laughs> I I think women can be sexy uh with their brains and uh their their poise and their intelligence and how they articulate sentences and words and having conversations uh I think that is very uh sexy to me. So I mean I don't I think some women are provocative in ways where they're showing off parts of their body and then they're wanting men not to look or judge based on those things but it's in our nature to see that and react to that because that's how you know nature is we're 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 in this world to procreate to spread life and and to keep seeding life everywhere and when we see that those things that make us excited we react to those more and i'm not saying that's like a fault of a woman for having big breasts or whatever but when you dress in a certain manner you're you're inviting that energy in does that make sense well society I mean, in general has just totally screwed up the whole entire look on the divine feminine and and the goddess Yes. Because if if you're trying to be sexy and you're or whatever, you're showing off something or you just look sexy or you just put off a sexy aura in general, then others look at you. Oh, she's a slut. Oh, she's trying to get attention or she's a hoe or whatever the case is. Or she's going extra like so there's no happy medium because society has pinned it so backwards that we can't really evolve into the goddess that Rachel was talking about. Like how, how do we do that when we're constantly getting thrown back into the, the trash can and they're like, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, Disney has also done a lot of the same, right. Taking that princess character and, uh, you know, enforcing it on kids and having them, them be, have specific rules and restrictions. And then also like throwing a lot of like old, like Enochian sex magic into the works as well. Um, <clears throat> it, it's like t- taking con- contorting, contorting old stories um, and, and mixing it with like, you know, mainstream psychological uh, manipulation uh, to just kind of like sexualize, you know, uh, everybody from a really young age, boys and girls. Yeah, which is I agree that not good. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty fucked up what's going on in schools these days. We were talking to this lady um, in town, maybe forty minutes from here, and she actually migrated from Bakersfield, right, in yeah. California. Yeah. So a small world. We meet another Californian, and she was just talking about her family, and I guess her niece came to her the other day and said grandma grandma the kids in school are kissing and making out and she's in third grade hmm. like this is not that is just not normal behavior for a third grader they should be playing you know not not worrying about that stuff so it's it's really hit the younger generations and it's just going to continue and um 
I don't know how we can change that. I don't know if you guys want to throw some ideas around, but uh, yeah. take their fucking iPhones away, take right. their fucking yeah. tablets away. <laughs> Don't have any fucking TV. Yeah. There you go. Problem fucking solved. That's what I refute, did with my kids. Refute the transhumanist movement. You. Yeah. Go against the fucking agendas. Do not fucking pay attention yeah. to that shit and try to teach your kids the right way yeah. and what they should believe in and strong morals. And that's the end of the day. And if you don't fucking want to do that, then you don't want to help your kids. Them. Yeah. You read to them. Exactly. That's perfect. Well, not even avoiding hard topics. You know, not avoiding talks about sexuality, not avoiding books about sexuality, maybe being conscious about what you're reading, but ha- being willing to have conversations because that's you have to, how people learn. On the, but on the so same side of that, though, there is a huge, mm-hmm. there's a huge uh, talk on openness about gender and gender fluidity and sex right now. So the younger generation is invoked in that and they are talking about it and it is a part of this because you know the agenda that is being painted is this pipe of movement into the um androgynous right like the the transhumanist movement that we're seeing or you know the fourth industrial revolution or the way that society is going is towards that more um you know, really fluid, like every, like you could be a fucking half draft or half robot, half dude, half man, half merman, half Zeusian, you know, half whatever the fuck you want. So you're just a, a whole trash pie, you know, you ain't even what, no, I'm just kidding. That's very rude. I don't, you know, um, but like, what was I getting at with that? That, that, it, it, so we, they are talking about sex and it's a part and a big part of the younger generation to be to to have this communication but what they what i think is being missed with that is the understanding and everyone is not into god right they're not into a spiritual so they're like into the they're into the human genetics and science and the whole science movement and everything that's where gender fluidity comes into it and then there's this like the the actual like old understanding of divinity and and that like actual divine uh, you know realm and understanding to connect that like the old yogi way you know that's that's what's being misled with it and it's terrible yeah i think parental guidance is the one thing that's missing in society today because i think if parents were a little bit more involved in their kids lives you know it wouldn't be how it is now as much like i have a fifth grader she's a a girl and they were her and like four or five of her other friends were like, had this crush on this boy, right? In their class. And they just all went against each other and were just like being so catty and weird and crazy. And then this boy ended up bringing flowers on Valentine's Day to my daughter. Like what kind of parent allows a fifth grade boy to bring flowers to another kid in their class? Like to me, I was just kind of like mind blown. Like, why would you even do that? It, it just, I think it just really has to do with the parents and the guidance and what they're allowing their children to do. And maybe their level of understanding on, on how to even handle affection at certain ages. Because I've, I've met people who have known each other since middle school, or they've known each other since elementary, and then they get married and are together for eons, you know, so you know, even just how to handle those emotions and those feelings at whatever age and, you know, kind of honoring those feelings, but also learning self-mastery 
you know, what do I do with this? It's like, yeah, I know it's crazy and it's confusing. I don't know. <laughs> but here's things not to do, <laughs> you know, but that plays a big role too. Cause I can't dictate how people like each other at what age they start to like each other. And it's just about learning how to navigate that and teaching, you know, that it's okay to discuss it or, you know, having any sort of resource if they don't feel comfortable. Yeah. Being that parental figure is so important. And the way society is structured today in order to take care of your family, both parents need to work, which means you have to give your kid to the state for a little bit for eight, nine hours a day. Then you come home and what you have two to three hours with your kid. And it's, if that's all the time you have, those hours are critical (laughs) with your kid and you need to be spending it with them trying to dissect what they were taught in that state school all day, that indoctrination camp and um, not being afraid, Rachel, like you said, to talk about those issues and not say, (laughs) I remember a funny story when I was a kid, um, the Madonna video, like a virgin was on TV. And so she kept, you know, like a virgin and, I was asked to look, look to my mom and I was like, mom, what is that? What does virgin mean? She was just like, oh, it's a lion. It means a lion. <laughs> so I was just like, you know, so like little things like that, like just be honest with your kid. You don't have to be graphic with them, but just like, let them know, Hey, this is the gist of what it means, you know? So they're not going to go speak it out to their friend or someone else that might not really give them a good answer. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's very true. Like, uh, I worked at this place called trackers earth in Portland, Oregon for, uh, five years, almost, almost five years. And it was, um, it, it's an out, outdoor educational school where we teach kids primitive skills. And the, the large part, you're kind of just letting them explore in the woods and explore their creativity, their, you know, kidness of just being and not having them sit down in front of, you know, the class and have to listen to the rules and sit down for an hour at a fucking time. It's like we sat down for maybe five minutes at a time, you know? Um, and it, it's just like, there are some parents, you know, but like the amount of kids that were going to that school and, and the entire, you know, population of this city was like 2%, you know, not even like, so, uh, it's just it's just insane that the it's the amount of time that kids don't get to experience what they would have experienced maybe in ancient times like going to mystery schools and being you know taught about their divine masculine power and the divine feminine power and uh uh yeah it's crazy so the and the eye the eye and the shape of the eye is always representative of like a the canal you know, the vaginal canal. And that's also represented everywhere. Uh, which is beautiful and crazy. Isn't it like the whispering eye? I just heard this recently. <laughs> we were talking about this yesterday. <laughs> really? Oh, wow. Yeah, let's, let's talk about those eye stories. That, Come on. That chakra is the, uh, the all-knowing eye on the tree of life on Yggdrasil. That's the all-knowing eye. It's the lowest one. Because it's the most dense, it involves knowing and feeling and touching and something that's 
that's more, you know, less mind. It's less etheric. <laughs> it could whisper to you. <laughs> that's still small, <laughs> small voice. <laughs> Is that in a runic shape at all? Are there any runes for that? Oh. Representing? What are some feminine, uh, yeah, what, what's yeah. like a good, uh, 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 Northern, uh, story of your favorite, uh, goddess. Um, there are quite a few Freya and her necklace that she gets from dwarves, but she apparently bangs them all to get it. Um, uh, it's not a great story. You <laughs> 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 wrote, it's so funny. Cause I think Definitely Ben and I were talking that about that. Your kids. Yeah. We're like, maybe this is how we don't acquire magical things. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's going to be the conversation. Like, here's what not to do. She's miserable. Um, but <laughs> I think somewhere I learned that Frey and her brother, Frey and Frey were um, in charge of the horse cult. And I think that's where we get nightmares because they it was a fertility cult and they would just like have a horse party about it because horses are a huge symbol for fertility. But they also symbolize... Um, this is not what people like to hear, but selective breeding, you're going to be, you know, discriminatory on, you know, if you're very conscious of what you're taking into you, you might be like, I don't need that energy coming out. <laughs> and I think that's okay. I think people don't, we, our society has made it not okay because you want to love everybody. How dare you discriminate? It's like, it's you're okay. It's okay to not want all of that. <laughs> to not just be a garbage can and just have everything come into you. So there is that aspect of, you know, breeding, but that's also just using wisdom. You know, if you have somebody who has really bad unresolved traumas and you've been working really hard, that's something to take into consideration that that can get passed down. So it's like, okay, this is something that we can work through. This is something you're willing to work through if I'm going to do it. (laughs) So I think those are, I think that's kind of cool. You know, I think a lot of Northern traditions get a lot of flack for that, but I'll say it. I think it's great. <laughs> it doesn't mean that I'm a hater and I don't think anybody else is a hater for doing that. It just means I don't think that's wrong wisdom. in any sense. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> not wrong in any sense. Thank you. Not whatsoever. No, yeah. that's absolutely on point. It's alchemy. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, uh, I kind of, I kind of want to hear that story now. By the way, but uh, maybe not. <laughs> You'll hear it eventually. <laughs> uh, because it, it's very interesting that you said like the lower, the lower part of the Yggdrasil is the the whispering eye too. Um, and in Box Saga, the, they talk about the eye or uh, the, the the your actual heart chakra being your 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 penis and not your actual heart. Your heart is just your pump, and that your actual heart chakra that you love with is actually your, your genitals. So it's pretty interesting. Oh yeah. Box saga is always about, they, they, there's a lot of, a lot of, um, what's it, uh, the correct word I'm looking for, uh, sexualization. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was thinking of like penetralia or something. I was trying to think of a fancy fun word for you know uh, the obelisk, the obelisk uh, entree, the entree of thus phallic obelisk. Penetralia, like a band. (laughs) Yeah, I actually have a sick book called Penetralia over here. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, of course Roman does. Oh my god. <laughs> I had a question for you, Rachel, because you said that um horses represent fertility. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. So little dig little like side dig, there's a birth control called Premarin, and it's actually made from the urine of mares. Mares are female horses. What? And so it's like they're using the thing that's supposed to represent divine oh, fertility wow. against fertility to stop wow. production. That's that's, that's fucking up. nuts. Wow. You guys can't see it, but I'm I'm vomiting, air vomiting. <laughs> is, is that backwards? No, uh, no. you can read it. <laughs> Surely, that's nice. Real, it exists. Wow. What is the powers to? The powers to important questions. Yeah, it's uh, one of a series by the Aquarian Fellowship, written in like 1958 in Boston. The answers to important questions. It's actually an incredible fucking book, <laughs> and it's not about. Uh, it's all about like philosophy and theosophy and shit like that. Uh, anyways, but yeah, dude. <laughs> well, I don't the, think the, the box saga is all about penis. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. I mean, you know, if you're being led by creativity in your creative center, that would be for women your womb. Mm-hmm. And for men, that would be whatever you have there, <laughs> whatever that center is, because that, you know, it's not the same. You don't really have an organ, but you still have that same, <laughs> yeah. that same energy center. It's not or, quite genitals. Or Those are a little it's, bit below. It's in, it's in the grundle. Yeah. The grundle. The grundle. There you go. Yeah. They're gonads. so yeah you could totally be led by creativity and there are mystery schools that teach you know follow that intuition or use that to create which could be dangerous if you know what you're doing you know or dangerous if you don't which i think is why it's interesting you know casual sex is such a big thing it's like great just chaos magic all the time people don't know what they're creating yeah people liking all these ruts sexually and in their life it's like look what you keep manifesting you're <laughs> yeah and there's there's the opposite of that too you know you have like the keep the keep like pulling or pushing out the energy and like creating these spells and alchemical things with different alchemical beings because everything our body does is you know chemical exchanges and just you know constant movement uh in the alchemical world that we live in uh but the the type of of testosterone and hormonal buildup that happens when you're actually not having casual sex and you aren't having sex at all, there's a lot of studies that have been going into that recently uh, about like the science of like you know building it up and then like guys are like getting super high off of not having sex. They're like getting really like high. They're like going really hard on it. It's a little weird, honestly. That's you. You're doing it. Yeah. Purposefully too, I'll tell you what, you know, out here in the hills of California, man, you know, I talk to trees, baby. Uh but no, like it's it's cool. You know, you gotta you gotta practice it all, right? You gotta you gotta learn through trial and error, all that shit. Fuck. Um but no, Elaine, that's not what I was getting at. Anyway. We lost sort of the spiritual sacredness of what sex is supposed to be. And because of that, we have uh just uh ab- abominized it. I guess in a way to be something is not supposed to be. 
And so I, I think the loss of the sacred feminine or divine feminine uh, has to do with that aspect because now it's like a, a, a matriarchy dominated by males and everything has to be over-sexualized with a penis instead of having that that estrogen or that female energy also to realize that there is a higher sacred power that we should also uh, be looking to uh, because if we realize, especially for men, if we realize that there's a higher sacred woman, uh, we would probably treat women a lot differently in that respect because we we would treat we treat them more. I would guess I would say like our mother because we would have more respect for them. Uh, and and instead, we've kind of gotten to the point where uh, there there is no real respect anymore. It's just over sexualization and stimulation everywhere. <laughs> you guys are weaving some webs. Uh, uh, Buffalo and Legs, I see you guys laughing a lot. Tell us what you're laughing about. (laughs) Just the little comments you guys make. And then I started the thing and I was like, oh my God. I almost choked on my water. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm laughing. I didn't choke. I was mid drink and then she cracked a joke and I was like, oh shit, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) I do that all the time. I have have, like the, the first place trophy. I love doing that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the honor to do that for you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, uh, I thought it was very interesting when we talked to um, Ed Dodge to about, about Ashra and the Ashra pole, the totem pole, the wooden uh, totem that was re- referred to as Ashra. Uh, Yahweh, the God Yahweh sent like a bunch of people to go destroy her and all her totems everywhere. And Yahweh is the God of the Bible. So what is, is with like Catholicism wanting to destroy like the sexuality of, of women and of men? Um, it seems very like destructive. And I, I, want to try to understand that more because so many people do believe in Christianity or Catholicism or a religion. And sometimes in those religions, they do practice like uh, a sacredness with like, you know, you should only be with one person and, you know, not waste your seed on frivolous things. But then they also like demonize like over-sexualization uh, do you think like maybe over sexualization is okay and 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 that creates more awareness or is the over sexualization more of a demonization also to tap onto that question to add more onto that <sighs> like it have either have any of you guests had um any of you amazing people uh humans jesus christ i'm digging myself a hole here uh, <laughs> any of you motherfuckers uh sorry that's the wrong you know, pronoun actually. that's the wrong pronoun i don't appreciate that i had uh, <laughs> did you guys did you guys grow up in uh like religious how uh homes and religious like what was what was your story with that and have you had any direct like kind of church experiences with the and god experiences with sex and stuff and how that treated you guys as as, as a youth. 
Well, I guess I'll, I'll jump in. I was um, baptized Catholic, but grew up Christian. And so it was, um, you know, no sex before marriage type deal. And then I went through all of high school basically with that belief until I met him. And then that kind of changed. And um, just I will say one thing the Catholic Church did do right is with the whole birth control thing and not allowing it birth control fucks you up as a woman. So I will say, I will give them props on that. But other than that, um, I don't really practice that religion or Christianity anymore. Um, I do believe there's a God and there is just life force energy and we're here to harness that and just vibe out and um, spread love to everyone. Um I I don't know I don't even know where I was going to go from there but <laughs> but that's kind of like my background um yeah for for a portion I went through a portion of my life I went through a time where I didn't think God existed and I think we all kind of went through that at one time or another um or are still going through it totally fine but for me personally that perspective changed and there is there is God for sure and I know that because Love is real. He's real. And once you find your soulmate, it's kind of hard to deny that. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. I, uh, I grew up in the Mormon church. I was actually baptized Mormon at age eight. And then we left the church when I was maybe 10 or 11. And I studied all kinds of different religions, went to all kinds of different churches, studied Buddhism for two years. And, um, became a vegetarian for a while, did all that kind of, you know, stuff that you do in high school to kind of experiment a bit. And, um, I, I stopped believing in God for a bit and came to the conclusion that now that I was wrong and there is some, some life force behind everything. Um, but for me in my early upbringing, the church was really about non-over-sexualizing women. Women dressed very modestly. Uh, we actually went to go get groceries uh, down in Utah not that long ago, and we stopped at a what we thought was a bookstore. It was a Mormon bookstore, and they sold dresses, <laughs> you know? But the dresses that Mormon women wear are, are actually really beautiful, but they're covered up and they're modest. They don't show cleavage. They, you know, they cover up even their shoulders. Very like 1950s very type style. Yeah. I thought, I thought they were pretty cute. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think they're, they're really <laughs> nice. And when I see, you know, like on Sundays, we don't go to church, but there's a church like literally like a couple blocks away. We see people walking to church, you know, I think the women are dressed very nicely. And I think they, they, um, it's something about following like that kind of archetype of wearing the garb of the role that you're in that kind of gives you that power and that power kind of comes from within. I like that. I think that's really cool. I didn't know if that's where you were going with your comment, but that's kind of, for me, that was my example of what it was to have like that female divine energy was modestly dressed Mormon women, apparently. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, at the Christian church I went to, the women never dressed like their Sunday best, you know, so I kind of don't, I didn't have that experience like you did. And I didn't go to Catholic church and I'm sure they dress up 
for that. But yeah, you're dressed up really, really nicely. Yeah, she wore when women women in the Catholic Church wear um, not a veil, but um, it's like a head covering. A head covering, and that's I don't know what that represents. Well, it's Mary. Mary wore the head covering because uh, in the Jewish faith, when you go like into the temple, the women cover their hair. It's part of, I believe, it's in the Old Testament. Um, but that's like just a continuing thing. Catholic women honor that. Not every Catholic woman does that though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Of, of kind of like clean, cl- cleanliness. Is that what it, is that what it's linked to? I, I mean, well, I would assume so being that like you're keeping your hair out of, you know, going all over the place or something or it's kind of like keeping it out of holy water. Yeah. <laughs> keeping it out of <laughs> water. <laughs> <laughs> um well in the box saga like the holy water kind of is the 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 ambrosia or the nectar of the gods is the the fluids the sexual fluids yeah whoa yeah and and, uh with talking from uh yake uh, when they would actually baptize people uh, in, with like the Knights Hospitallers, uh, they would baptize them by putting sperm on their forehead and not actually water. Uh, so they would baptize them in a completely different way. Yeah. Well, that's different. Fun fact about <laughs> sperm is if you rub it, it's sticky if you don't rub it in. But if you rub it into the skin, it actually moisturizes really well. That's why your skin. That's what people good. say. That's what the online yeah. sources say. That's why your skin is so soft and supple. Yeah, yeah. I know it is. Like I'm we really want to rub it in. You have a yeah, beautiful her, face, Roman, her. by the way. One second. Okay. One second. Let me just massage that in my arm real quick. What the Thanks, hell? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Thank you. For, thank you for that. I don't have to go get my Cetaphil anymore. <laughs> God. I hope this. Hey, not to rub it in, in, but it goes both ways. You know. All, I'm just saying. You know, probably for the same secretion, secretion from the vaginal secretion as well. Um, is well, it's also supposed to give you, know, you superpowers, right? Isn't that with a whole that's ambrosia right there? Vaginal secretions, yeah. Like if you, uh, well, I believe in the box saga, they talk about sucking your own seed, right? So, yeah. um, and then and then that's supposed that's to give you succeed. like inner. Yeah, that's how you succeed. It's sucking your own seed. Yeah. And and then it gives you that life force energy and then it builds up in your body and then you you become, you know, super man and well, here, Mr. Gadget and all that fun stuff. I want I wanted <laughs> I wanted to get into this Mr. Gadget. Uh, I wanted to get into this a bit. Also go, was, go. Is, uh, the idea of your soulmate. And uh, I kind of want to break this down a little bit because a lot of people talk about your soulmate being like that one person that's, you know, your exact polar opposite, not necessarily your polar mm-hmm. opposite, but your counterpart, you know, that, that part of you that you're missing and soulmate. We know soul is a reference to the sun, right? Soul is the sun. And in the box saga, they say that, uh, that animals have embla and humans have sperma. And the sperma comes directly from the sun. The sunlight is what gives us the sperma. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting because when we talked to um, Wajid, Wajid was talking about reincarnation and how we start out at like 
the plant life soil level. We work our way through that to the animal kingdom and then to the humans. And through that, we are supposed to ascend even higher. And then we go terrestrial and then telestial. And then even through there, we end up back at the sun again. We reincarnate back into the sun. And then through the sun, we reincarnate back into life. And so the whole idea of like your soul mate is, is it's super interesting I'm, because it of the coordination of the sun. I'm wondering if there's something there, like, did we start as like something together in the sun and we got split up, our souls got split and into different bodies when we came to this, this matrix or this world or your you journey call it. to the sun. Yeah. And then we're supposed to reconnect together to get back. Is that part of like ascending is reconnecting with that divine energy that you lost when you were birthed into the matrix? Uh, just thoughts on um, that. Separation <laughs> is an illusion. So, you know, when you like, even if you're starting in the etheric realm as consciousness and you're coming down into the material realm, it might feel like a separation because you're no longer one with everything. Mm -hmm. You don't feel like you're one with everything anymore. Um, Cause you're just not on a molecular level existence. So it will feel like a separation and it's not though. That's really only in the mind. So I think when we're talking about, and you know, all these stories about like the Greek story where you have this mono being and it splits off yeah. um, and you have to find that and that's our twin flame and, and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, but really the mono being is the consciousness of all one. So to have that, I mean, you can really be in union, divine union at any given point. And if you're looking for a partner, what you're really doing, and this is just how I see it, um, is a frequency match. It's just your frequency match because we're all going to be different levels of consciousness in the material. I mean, a bird is a level of consciousness. A cloud is a level of consciousness. Even very dense beings have different levels of consciousness. You know, I have stones. We don't think of these as conscious, but they have a level of consciousness in them because they exist. So, I mean, it's to me, it's more about finding and connecting with the divine and having divine union and then just finding a frequency match. Mm. You know, somebody who it's got your back essentially. I think that's really more of what it's about. Right. Yeah. You're, <laughs> you're just going through life together. <laughs> fuck. Yeah. If it's not a fuck, yes, it's a fuck. No, that's an yeah, old right. school rule for the boys. All right. Hey man, chances if she ain't a fuck. Yes. That's the fuck. No, you feel me? And that's why you're single Roman. And that's exactly why. <laughs> Because it ain't been a fuck. God damn it, Elaine. Damn you. But yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, because... Um, uh, Buffalo and Lacey, yeah. do you want to weigh no. in on that at all? Uh, well, <laughs> your your theory about all being parts of the, the sun, I was really... I, I was digging that. Um, and then I thought about... That kind of sounds a little like... <laughs> It sounds a little like L. Ron Hubbard, where it's like we were all souls just drifting, and then we were like what dropped in volcanoes or some shit, and then we're blown up, and then oh, what? 
Fuck. It, 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 it made me think of that. And I'm like, maybe there was actually some kind of truth to that because L. Ron Hubbard was, in fact, trying, I feel like he was trying to diagnose himself, right? Mm-hmm. He was trying to come mm-hmm. up with like a, a way to like go deeper and deeper into yourself to figure out who you really are. And he ended up creating this like weird cult out of it. But maybe that shit is true. And maybe we are connected to the sun like that. It is, like you said in the beginning, Dan soul is like sun right it means yeah. the sun so maybe there is some kind of connection there and that's where we all kind of have to root well root? and in the human design system um they their whole deal is that we get imprinted with subneutrinos so they, those come from every heavenly body all the time we're we're always being blasted with them but their whole thing is that um, and I was reading, you can find this in all their information, but 70% of them come from the sun. Hmm. A good significant portion comes from Jupiter because it's large, but 70% comes from the sun. So there probably is something, very much something to that. Yeah. The celestial body, like kind of like, uh, you could imagine like earth is the genitals of the, of the galaxy and you have these different, <laughs> like, you know, like, well, it's like, that's because there's another theory that, you know, we are the final Ooh. stage, like the sperm being built up the seed to pop out and go put yeah. our consciousness on other pli- life forms. That's mm-hmm. why we're trying to get to space and go out It's because it's earth has made us its perfect form to create as much consciousness as it can to create as much technology to go out and shoot the seed. Because if you look at, you know, uh, Alan Watts said it, I don't know if you know this, but let's uh, try and do an Alan Watts voice. It's not good. Um, <laughs> he said, I don't know if you've known this or not, but that the shape of the universe has sometimes been known as the shape of a man. You know, well, where if that's so, you know, and doesn't have to be met. It can, it's obviously androgynous as gods are, you know, there's like the, the perfect polarity within the perfect, you know, divine body. Right. So it can probably procreate with itself as does a lot of goddesses yeah. throughout time. Right. Uh, and do whatever mythos time, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Uh, blanket, blanket words. Anyway, <laughs> what is that? Uh, so, anyways. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we, we, Earth could be the genitals of uh, of the galaxy. Who knows? There's a there's this Eternals movie, the superhero movie, and and in that, uh, like the planets are kind of like eggs or uh, wombs in a way, and uh, all the people on it are are there to raise the vibration of that planet so that uh, a, like a Titan or something can be born from that cosmic egg. Fucking Marvel, dude! I swear to God, these fucking they're dude they're 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 pan- like the real philosophies going on here, real like actual things that should be talked and brought about. But instead, it's used to make fucking millions of dollars and like not really truly conceptualized to people. You know, like it's like that's a great concept, and like that has been brought up and through different theories, kind of. You know, like you were talking earlier, the Wajid. Hassan interview that we did and his master, you know, said there was nine fucking levels of consciousness to go through all, you know, and finally get to the sun. It's like, I'm sorry. I have a big problem with Disney and Marvel and shit. And so I just, I got heated up there a little bit, but fuck them. Please. Someone else talk, please. Dear well, Lord. so the eternal actually brings us back to something that, um, Dan was talking about with like wondering about 
you know, Middle Eastern traditions and the Catholics and why they're so against sexuality and things like that. And I think there is a consciousness that is hyper aware of destruction. And even those people get into bodies and they manifest like that level of awareness manifests in humanity. So these people are hyper aware of the process of creation and destruction, and they're just stuck on one part of it. They're like, oh, we love the destruction, you know, destroy everything. So they try to suppress, but at the same time, we're creative beings because we're actually the middle. We're meant to be the middle realm. So they, you know, they try to hypersexualize things because it's like, well, if we have to have it, we're going to at least control it because it is a necessary part of being. But I think that's really what we're getting at there. And, you know, with the Eternals and things like that, I, the only thing I didn't like about that narrative was that it was very focused on like, oh yes, we're growing these planets to consume them. You know, yeah. it's, like, it's all about destruction in the end. It's like, wow. that's a natural process. Yeah. yeah. Life Don't be weird about it. Equally the same. <laughs> um, you mentioned, uh, Rachel, you mentioned twin flame. I was wondering if you could elaborate Sorry, a little bit on which, what, uh, <laughs> twin flame is and because I, I don't think i heard about that before it's a very new age idea um <laughs> well maybe it's not it's it's very big in new age circles um and light worker circles because it does go back to that greek story you have this monad being and they split and you're trying to find your your one but essentially the twin flame idea is that you have um, a matching consciousness and maybe you incarnate you could incarnate on the other side of the earth, but you know, and you recognize each other and you both work on your inner stuff until you can finally meet and be together type of thing. So you'll meet people who are like, this is my twin flame. And it's like, well, I don't know that I need the term for it, but I don't know that that's, you know, impossible. I think that's a great idea that you could have consciousness that you have always resonated with maybe you've known each other in past lives, maybe not, but it is such a good vibrational match that you do end up finding each other or you look for each other. But the only bad thing about it is, is that I think it can be, it can be toxic. You know, it's like, I'm trying to work on myself. So my divine masculine comes in. It's like, how about you just work on yourself and trust that it'll happen. (laughs) It'll probably happen when you're not thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, sorry to cut you off, Elaine. What were you going to say? Damn you. Always. Um, no, I was going to say, uh, wasn't it Ari Aslan that you guys had on the show that said that the earth was a birth by the sun? Mm, or who was? Uh, uh, the sun is birthed by Saturn. And yeah. then, uh, then I, I'm actually not sure. Is that Saturnian cosmology, though? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. electric universe. And I, I don't know where where in that realm that the earth comes into play but they say that definitely uh you know the our current sun was birthed from saturn as it was like kind of uh going through the transition to form the set of the galaxy that is now that's that's saturnian cosmology which i wish i was more fucking you know uh deeper on uh yeah up on but i i'm not so but uh but that's you're you damn near elaine damn near no i'm pretty close but it, absolutely <laughs> yeah. spot on that's more, what more than damn near yeah thank you uh, absolutely 100 percent. 
<laughs> I know. Thanks. That was it. What about that? Was it? Thank what you. It? Okay. Okay. About no, I was just nose. saying because we were talking about how you know um, different cosmology and you know Earth and how we're here and yeah. the sun burning things and seventy percent of what we what's in our universe is birthed by the sun. So yeah, I don't know. I, I just remember that you guys have had someone on that was talking about that. I wasn't sure though on the specifics. And with that too, you know, I think like some when I think back on like like some of these stories you know it's like just like the bible like you take it very literally you know um because we would uh in mythos you know we we tend to like talk about gods uh you know having certain stories or battles you know but then that looks at an astrotheological level and it's happening you know they're explaining stars and then planets can also be interpreted as gods as well so maybe the saturnian cosmology isn't about the actual alignment of you know, um, of the, of the planets itself, but maybe it was more of like an actual time on earth when Saturn, you know, birthed the new sun. So maybe there was like this one God or, you know, people focused in energy and then, you know, like a golden age era. Right. And then that changed. Um, and so that's, that's another thing that could happen with that, that it wasn't actually, you know, our sun birthed from Saturn. Maybe it was, you know, the worship of the sun and, you know, sun worship changed from this God over here to focus over this when there was a narrative shift or a paradigm shift. Well, sun worship isn't even across the board because in, you know, a lot of heathen cosmologies, the sun is like, yeah, there's a sun God. He's over there. <laughs> you know, he's not even the main focus. Exactly. It's like, he's just a pal. So maybe, you know, it's again, that level of consciousness. I mean, you probably don't remember being a plant, but that would be a vital part of your life is having sunlight. I have seeds that are like, put these seeds on the dirt. Don't cover them. They need sunlight to grow. So, you know, I wonder if it's just like residual awareness. You learned that lesson in that past life, you know, knowing that the sun makes things grow. And so, of course, it would translate to everything came from here. Because that's the source of growth. I wanted as you to see touch, it. I want to touch on one thing too before it slips my mind as things do. because uh, I did smoke a ginormous dewy earlier. Uh anyways, uh thinking about astrological zodiac, right? We have the birth chart and this thing that goes way back, understanding the zodiac and astrology and its accordance to the human spirit you know like describing you know to try to it's so interesting it's so deep and interesting and trying to even find the roots of it you know it's it has a lot of different roots anywho um we're talking about twin flames and and finding a partner and you know to match a resonance and to match a frequency well when you match a frequency from your astrological area you know you find someone that resonates with the your star map your uh your sky clock partner, your sky clock resonance, you know, um, somebody within the same neighborhood of the stars that you were from when you were a part of that collective consciousness and coming down. Um, when you bring two bodies together that are at that same resonance, then you can resonate higher and, and more frequency in order to have that uh, ability to tap into your celestial energy and your celestial body. 
what do you guys think about the Zodiac and that kind of energy play? Like, do you guys think that that's real? Like, do you guys believe in that? Like, what's your thoughts on that? I've only recently been paying attention to the sky and how it moves with each season and changes as we move through the months or the moons, if you want to call it that. But um, I would say our connection to the moon and its cycles, I feel from my personal experience as we're approaching the full moon, I, I feel more energetic like this, this creative energy comes to me. And if you're too busy with your nine to five job or just taking the kids to go here and just crazy life, you you can't pay attention to things like that and connect to those feelings that you're feeling when there's certain constellations in the sky or the moon is at a certain quarter of the cycle. And it's, it's a beautiful thing when you can connect back to it. Um, I don't know if you want to add to that. Um, I think that, um, well, I don't, I, I was, I was feeling with the idea recently about, I know we, we got into our birth charts and we got our charts read and I was really interested in them. She has a lot of what's called hard angles, hard angles. She has a lot of hard angles in her chart. (laughs) which I'm, I'm still not quite sure I understand what that means, but yeah. I was listening to Crow 777 on um, some podcast, I forgot. And he mentioned, what about how were the stars and how is everything aligned at your conception? Mm-hmm. That's probably more significant than when you came out of the birth canal. Mm-hmm. Is probably when soul meets body. Yeah, but there's no way to know that. So yeah. we have nine months on account, you know, maybe you know, give or take two weeks, unaccounted for of time that we don't know how the stars were configured. So I don't think we're supposed to know how <laughs> shit's aligned yeah. when, when we come into being. I think that's what makes this such a magical adventure. Yeah. There's some there's something beautiful to that too because you're so right. Like, you know, we're so fixated on the time of conception as if, you know, that last second was when you know that spirit came into that body. But I think that the, you know, we come into that body a lot sooner than that. At least we tap in and be like, yo, what's up? What up? I'm here. So yeah. I'm claiming this spot. This is mine. I bought this when I was up on Venus. I bought this here and like I need to get some shit done. So this is mine. Uh, I'll be back though. Uh, I was, I was in the womb for 10 and a half months. Uh, my mama was huge, man. I was 11 fucking pounds. I was like, not coming out. It was not. (laughs) It was like, Oh no. Explains why you're late for everything. (sighs) Ain't wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't wrong. Ain't wrong. I'm just messing with you, man. Right on time, baby. Right on time. Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking about the months, right? And how they're controlled by the moon, the moons. The moons. And how there uh, there used to be 13 of them. There's 13 cycles. Exactly that, too. This has to do with the divine feminine and could also be why we're all so out of whack is because we're no longer living according to net nature and natural law we're not living with the 13 months 
we're living with the 12 and then we're totally fucking up all of those and then we're trying to like say you're this sign and you're that sign but we're not even those signs at all we're like totally different signs so i don't even see how astrology is actually making sense in the 12 system it should be in the 13 system if we really want to be accurate about it i think that's uh kind of why people do the uh, i always say side rail but it's sidereal astrology but um <laughs> i mean if you just look at the word it's side rail yeah but, no I, that's something else i was getting or i wanted to say too thank you for saying that it was like there's there's you have uh <clears throat> Whatever the first part I said was, and it, thank you, Dan. Yeah, it, it, can, it doesn't make sense because, you know, we're missing, we're taking one word of this like ancient way of understanding the stars in the celestial body, like a deep philosophy that goes on with that. And then it's been contorted into the bullshit mainstream, like way of, of understanding time and the calendar that's been congressed and congealed into one. So you have this whole block of time, this nine month period of when you actually probably tapped in from your real location somewhere, wherever the fuck, you know, the, the gooeyness of thickness of consciousness. And then you also have the fact that we're not even looking at time, right? Yeah. I wonder if that's like an agenda, you know, like what, what, I wonder if that's like a plan that they had, like, you know, for us to be going through this time and to, try to correlate with the stars and our signs and, oh yeah, I'm, you know, a very aggressive person and, um, you know, are very independent and we're like trying to find ourselves in those attributes. But in reality, it's like nothing to do with us at all. And it's just to like throw us to go a different direction. That's a, you know, they throw those like event 201, right. Things like think tanks that have been going on for a long time and like secret societies of how they want to try to plan to, and it's not even that conspiratorial. It's like, if you run a kingdom, right, you're going to sit in the chambers and you're going to have meetings and discuss about what's going to happen and how you're going to run shit. It just happened. That's what being a leader is. You need to sit down and talk a lot and think things out and map things out. That's how running shit works. You have to do it around your fucking house imagine running an entire civilization right so thinking things out and running these things it's like when you look at real documented uh think tanks and simulations where they run simulations on what we're going to respond to because they fucking psychologically have been nailing it for so fucking long they can have us down to a t because we're so fucking predictable right i think you're right elaine like what if this is like this right now like that astrology shit is literally a part of like a long like a simulation they ran a long time ago just to fuck with us that dead what the i think so i know doesn't just piss you off you want to break shit i do i would say they, they probably didn't do it uh intentionally to be like oh let's uh let's take out the 13th month so that way like it fucks up everything intentionally i think they did it because they didn't like what whatever the representation of the 13 was uh and then on top of that they they got the other stuff out of it and uh you know so i i mean it could go both ways well, though for, for all the, rest, I know, they the did, representation they did though purpose. but go ahead the representation, though, wasn't it Ophiuchus, and that was the, yeah. the goddess like slaying the snake and stuff. So, but the thirteen also has to do with the moon, and and that is what 
like uh, the moon is what kind of I, I don't want to. Thirteen is a lucky number, but they try to make it yeah. like not an unlucky. unlucky number. Yeah, and it's to to and if anything, it's for suppressing occultic information. And right. Esoteric right. information to 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 use it for themselves, and so they can have the power. Right? But but when we figure mm-hmm. it out and we're able to access that, ooh, what you got, baby? What's that card? Thirteen is the death card, also. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. But that's rude. Yeah. yeah. Not necessarily. It's more like transformation. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Rebirth. You can see there's in the neck of the. I don't know. Is it a peacock? This is a peacock, right? Yeah, peacocks also mean exactly. rebirth, transformation. Yeah, yeah. but uh, you have the death hand coming out of the earth, where it's the grass is growing, that's life, holding onto a tree that's withering, that's death. But the tree also represents life; it's like circular. Yeah, and and then Rachel, you said which rune is this? Arcana, that little bee up there. That's birch. That has to do with birth. And creation, so it's a life death life cycle. <gasps> death you, is life. I watched your rune uh, episode you just recently did with Sir uh, Balderson. You guys did that rune. That's a feminine yeah, rune. It is a feminine rune, one hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, this all. I think what we're talking about is coding, because it's all about numbers. Because not every civilization used the Greek systems. You have things like the Vedic exactly. system that's more sidereal. You look at ancient Northern, and they don't have even half as many constellations documented. They weren't even looking at the sky that way that we know of. You know, it's like half those records are gone anyways. So how do we know? And I've I've gotten dreams where I've had guidance just be like all that. It's wrong. And I'm like, but what about the math? The math is correct. The math is beautiful. And I think that math is what we're really looking at when we're looking at all this stuff. We're looking at coding. Mm. You know, we're looking at 12 is really pleasant. 360 feels really good. Mm. All these even numbers. Mm -hmm. You look at sidereal. They're not all even 30s. That's chaotic. All these different size constellations. That's so feminine too. Like just the chaos. Like you Mm. don't. Every season is going to feel different. Every constellation, your relationship to the stars is going to be so different. So, you know, I don't know that it began as programming, like you were saying, Dan, but I could definitely see how it's becoming programming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's almost like aggregorical, aggregorically created or something. Yeah. I yeah. Think it was first done just to get rid of the pagan system because it was this new system that was coming in to get rid of this what they considered chaos and bring in order, which is the new world order and, and stop like this worship of uh, these polytheist deities and nature and all these other things. And to get rid of these certain aspects, that's why like meditation is evil. Yoga is evil. All these different, like using plant medicine is evil. We have to use all these things uh, because I think you were talking about this earlier a little bit, Roman, and it's like we we need that guidance because if we knew how to look at the stars and figure out life on our own, we wouldn't look to them and and have to need anything from them. So by taking it away, now we have need for them. Now we need them to tell us what we're supposed to do because we're lost 
in this in this fucking system that we're in. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's why I'm out. I'm gonna break astrology. Nicely. <laughs> yes, nicely. And nicely. So, because you know, you got to do it so people can actually, you know, like you go too hard on it, and then they're gonna be like, "Well, you know, like you, you know, you're hurting my feelings because I like it's, astrology." It's a beautiful system, and honestly, all the astrologers that I know, for the most part, are people that I absolutely adore, and they have an incredible mm-hmm. amount of intelligence. So it's. Maybe less about breaking things and more about shifting our archetypes and shifting the stories that we tell ourselves. That's really what it's about. You know, there are like legs in Buffalo now. I've redrawn constellations already. That's because I'm Mm. serious about that. And I did it for um, an eclipse. One of the eclipses was happening in Perseus, like right in Medusa's eye. And there's all this Medusa symbolism coming up in pop culture around that time and Mm -hmm, before that. mm -hmm. And I'm looking at it and like, I'm going to stop manifesting that right now. Yeah, I'm not going to be looking at those stars and be like, oh, it's Perseus. It's it's happening right in the eye because that's just feeding the narrative. It's just feeding it. The more astrologers look at it that way. It's like reprogram, just reprogram it. And nobody's paying attention to the stars long enough to agree with what the people who began set it up as you know they're like looking at these patterns of mars going okay well in springtime that's wartime because duh you don't fight in the snow so of course you're going to recognize patterns like that and say okay the red god means war nobody's looking at that so how can we sit here and be like mars that means war since since when what are the signs that you're seeing that says the red god means war because in my celtic mythology the red god is abundance he he feeds people. <laughs> He's got a big stick. Yeah. <laughs> He'll protect you. <laughs> so it's just, you know, it's just about stories. It's about narrative and it's about coding. I, I think there's something to that too in the coding and then and the numbers aspect mm-hmm. of it. Cause like the you know, one of the greats, the Pythagoreans, you know, the the worship of numbers. It's like you can go really hard and deep on it. And, and you should, you know, like numbers are really great. And, it, but like you can also get side railed from that. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, wow, like it's an algorithm. Like this ether is an algorithm and, and it's due to like a, it's due to like numbers down to a certain point, you know, and you can understand almost everything within our reality through breaking it down through, through numbers. And it's, yeah, there's major coding going on and once you it's so but it's so hard to keep track of everything. You know. Yeah, modern, with every frequency life. and vibration, there's a number that correlates with it. I think that's how time traveling works, right? It's mm-hmm. like if you can match the exact frequency and um and pinpoint it that you can that's how they time time travel or That's an, in theory exactly what um what the exa- exactly like you're saying like these um, you know, physicists like uh what's his name i was just looking him up earlier like i I hate it's so controversial but uh the nazi bell you guys know about the nazi bell right okay i'm gonna say it because not everyone's shaking their head yes but um the the so everybody knows hitler was and and this whole his whole party was into extreme occult Right, they were trying to find occult knowledge. They were obsessed with occult. The there was something about 
the the mainstream narrative and physics physics that they just did not like. They were deep into understanding the Earth and and honestly the Earth's electromagnetic grid. And you know they were obsessed with Tesla's work, um, and Atlantean. They were obsessed with understanding Atlantis and the fall of the old world. Uh, and so they <laughs> they had designed this machine that was shaped like a bell. Um, and it had runes on the bottom. Um, and, uh, I can actually, I can pull it, uh, if you do screen share, I can pull it up, Dan. But anyways, um, it was said to be in the documents that it's, it's a, it's like a Vimana, Vim, Vimana. You guys know what a Vimana is? Like the old Indian pyramid style, supposed like metal electromagnetic transportation vehicles, basically a flying saucer. Um, yeah. That was his version of their version. Sorry, uh, of um, here's one. This is crazy. Oh, come on. Or, or I don't know if those are runes or if that's like Enochian alphabet. Do you recognize any of those, Rachel? Um, no, just the double solo that Nazis were using as their symbol. yeah. And do you want to inform uh, inform peeps what uh, what? Yeah, what it's not is? a. Most people should know that that symbol is cross cultural. Um, many people have that symbol, but in the Nordic traditions, that is the S rune called Solo, and it's just two of them. It's just doubled, and that makes the sun wheel. It's also lightning, so it has to do with Thor, and it has to do with energy just pure energy pure life source it's a beautiful symbol it's too bad that it's forever villainized in people's eyes god forbid somebody use their own cultural symbols for their war (laughs) unpopular opinion we have to break the cycle yeah we gotta break it yeah so that's that's kind of like a it's a really cheesy photo (laughs) um great though (laughs) Yeah, no, right. Well, this is this, this is our ancient ancestors. Uh, so this is the fly trap, which was it's in Poland. It's an abandoned uh, Nazi base, and this is said to be, uh, you know, the uh, the Third Reich Stonehenge that they were trying to recreate. Some uh, two uh, where they were doing their test to fly out the Nazi bell. the bell shape. Okay. And the reason I found this was actually looking through the history of the missing bells in the bell towers through my resonance architecture study or stuff that I'm trying to build through understanding the cathedrals. It's like, where are all the bells? There's all these bell towers, but there's no bells in them. Mm. Well, bells are old resonance uh, technology. Like bells above. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, that's a, and, so, um, so this is the shape of a bell, right? And so they believed that like they could harness the electromagnetics and use this as a transportation device. And that was thus later brought to us what we know as like a flying saucer type, right? And if you know the story of like Agartha and the original Agarthian story that there's Nazis at the center of the earth, right? They're flying around on spaceships. It's like, well, what the fuck really happened to them? Did they get, did, 
did the new world order really get started then? And it, it was a settled war that was actually planned way before that. So then, you know, that this old occultic information could really go down to where like, you know, civilizations may be in the center of the earth. Who fucking knows? What does this have to do with time, bro? Uh, I was getting uh, math numbers. Uh, huh? Okay. You, tell, you were mentioning a physicist. Yeah. Oh, Telbert, teleportation. <laughs> teleportation. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Uh okay, so sorry. Uh, the uh uh his name. Okay. Yeah, there's a physicist that uh oh here we go. Wasn't the Nazi bell like a tra- time traveling machine? Yeah. Isn't that what they And that's what they yeah, think MK travel. Ultra. Oh, t- and, Thomas and so then Thompson Brown. Here we go. Keep going. In the late. 90s, in the 90s, you know that they found one in, in Philadelphia. Like in the forest, yeah. What forest? Good a time in the Philadelphia. I don't know. I'm I'm not. I don't know the specifics. I just heard the story. The occult symbolism behind bells goes deep, right? Like you even have the crack of the Liberty Bell, um, which would be basically us coming over and taking the architecture that was already here. That's like the Tartaria kind of like paradigm. That there, uh, you know, these old resonant architectures and these old cities, these ancient cities, because obviously the human history is a lot more ancient than we could fucking give a credit for, and the mainstream will ever get a credit for. Uh, that uh, there was a crack in it. It's just like the cross that Jesus being put on. It's like you no longer have access to frequency and understanding of physics of the earth. You are blocked from that. The crack in the bell, the high, the uh, the suppression of this history. You know, uh, the Jesus on the cross. The cross is a is an energetic symbol. You know, it's used on staffs. It's used on tops of resonant buildings. It's used for alchemy and it's used for magic. You know. And we're not able to tap into ether, which is physics, which is magic, which is numbers, which is understanding, you know, magnetism and stuff. So anyways, Thomas Townsend Brown uh, was basically the was an American inventor whose research in odd electrical effects led him to believe that he had discovered a connection between strong electric fields and gravity, a type of anti-gravity effect. Instead of being anti-gravity force, Brown observed has generally been attributed to electrohydrodynamics, the movement of charged particles that transfers their momentum to surrounding neutral particles in the air, also called ionic drift or ionic wind. For most of Brown's life, he attempted to develop devices based on his ideas, trying to promote them for Time for use for, and for the military. The phenomenon became the brown, the Bearfield Brown effect and electrogravitics. So it's deep numbers and that's the coding. And that's what that's really, I really side railed there and I do apologize. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Um, I think it's funny that all these entities are trying to do all this research and they need all this equipment because I'll, there's this thing I've heard of called bilocation. Like, I think we can do what they're looking to do if we actually put those spiritual work in. I bet we could do all that stuff. I, I think they need us with the technology. I think they need this paired with the technology. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I think that's why they like MK Ultra was all about harnessing children. Yeah. Like they need that open human spirit to pair with tech or something. I think also the movie Monsters Inc. When I heard that one occultically broken down, oh, no. I was shat the bed. 
I shot the bed. I was like, you're telling me that they literally, the movie was all about harnessing children's energy. Like, and then how powerful, more powerful the laughter is. So then they, they hide the shadow, you know, because they, they need they to feed like, off anxieties. Oh, yeah. Yes, exactly. They feed exactly. off anxieties and hide in the shadows and all that weird shit. All yeah. right, Robin. What was that one? What was that one movie that was uh, <laughs> not the? Um, it was Danny from The Shining, and he was older. Uh, was Doctor Sleep. The second Shining. Doctor yeah. Sleep. Doctor Sleep. That that is fucked Fuck up. That movie. Uh, I'm gonna watch that. <laughs> you gotta, yeah, you're gonna trip out. That is same. It's like Monsters Inc., but like rated R version. Like with real people and don't, real kids. Don't watch that movie. It's fucked up. <laughs> Don't watch it. You'll do like a whole fucking episode on how much you hate that shit more than Elon Musk. I swear. Whoa. Nothing I hate more than Elon Musk. Exactly. Until you watch Dr. Sleep. I fucking hate him. Anyways, (laughs) uh, all the dogs got wild. Come here, Zuji boy. Uh, So I have this in in one of my notes. Uh, All right. Is this going to connect back to the divine feminine, though? Otherwise. Yes. Menstruation being used as sacrifice. Okay. Go ahead. Carry on. Is that a thing that you guys have experienced or that y'all uh, <laughs> have experienced with uh, your, uh, your, your, the blood, like what's the, the symbology behind the blood and, and, and is that, is that has um, a spiritual, per, uh, you know, uh, pertinence. And if you feel comfortable uh, sharing. <laughs> All right. Oh my God. <laughs> that was really, was that much too I, mean, I wasn't going to make it weird earlier bringing it up, but I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I personally haven't done any like occultic things with, with my blood. I'm barely like starting to reconnect to my cycle. And who knows, maybe one day I'll end up collecting my blood and giving it back to the earth. I know that's a thing um, that I've heard. I don't see what's wrong with that. Um, but Rachel, I'm sure you're more knowledgeable than I am in that topic. So I please. some weird magic. I probably wouldn't this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have read. What you were talking about, giving it back to the earth, is rich in nitrogen. So if you water it down, because it can be really strong, you can use it in your plants. and That should be cool. Um, I was thinking about it earlier because it's interesting that abortion is being pushed. And not to get off on that train, but really to focus on the fact that they want stem cells. They push stem cell research for that. But they're are tons and millions of stem cells in menstrual blood. And that just gets thrown out. You know, nobody's collecting that. But that would be probably the most pure source for it instead of waiting till you mess up, (laughs) you know, to collect something like that. But yeah, there um, there are things that have to do with menstrual blood. Um, it is very sacred in some cultures. There is a thing called the Red Tent. You may have heard of that book. I haven't read it, but <clears throat> excuse me. There is a whole movie out about it. There are groups all over, women's groups, and they just hang out around that time of month and be women about it. Um, it's probably a little more deep and sacred than that, but I haven't dove into that. Um, there is a video out by Teal Swan talking about menstrual blood magic, which I don't know is a great idea to be putting on YouTube. 
That's some chaos magic right there. Here, let me educate about educate you this, and you know, good luck, have fun. Um, <laughs> like, what else can we do with men- menstrual blood? Can we make micheladas or something? Or, uh, you know, I, I don't know about cooking with it. I probably wouldn't. It's not Cakes like it's a casserole. <laughs> That's some like Marina Abramovich like shit right there. Into, into some hollandaise if you put it on a double boiler with some butter. That's, I mean, it's kind of like the whole eating of the placenta thing, right? I mean, yeah. And is there a way recommend. to like recycle yeah, it? Yeah, but it's not on fucking enchiladas. It's not I mean, on enchiladas. No, he said micheladas, like a beer, a beer and spice. Oh, and hey, I could get down <laughs> with that. You make some mead, uh, you know, hey, you could have you could have sacraments from, uh, you know, not just in. Anyways, I mean sorry. this in, was, in like so, uh, a serious so way is, is is by reconsuming it. Are you like giving yourself your body back those uh, those cells? Like because mm-hmm. like you're talking about how you're getting rid of a lot of stem cells in the menstrual blood. Uh, so that's what I'm saying. And by consuming it, are you replenishing your body in some way? That's kind yes. of what I'm getting at. Yeah, you are. And I think um, I met some people in a group a couple of years ago who were very open about blood magic. Um, So I talked to them just because I was curious uh, about their experience. And it's something that I would be really careful about um, allowing other people to consume that. Mm. That's where you get like real life vampires who, you know, blood play and stuff like that. Um, Because there is a psychic bond that can happen. And that can be really, from what they described, they're like, that was insane. Um, It wasn't great for everybody involved because it doesn't sound like they were very smart about it. (laughs) Like more, we're trying to make a cult. And it's like, well, now we're all mentally connected. And I don't know that that was working out. So I don't know how long that bond stays active. I don't know how long, you know, I don't know anything about that, but... I know that that can happen. So, um, do you think there's any any correlation between the whole sacrifice of the egg and then like the sacrifice of the sun or the mm-hmm. sacrifice of the the you know in, in ancient rituals they did a lot of sacrifices? Is, do you think that symbolism of of like the sacrificing of the egg? Um, I've talked about sacrifice a lot on a few things. And I think it's more what it really is when we're looking back is just a reverence for life, death, life. Like in nature, when you have, uh, let's say, an old or, you know, a hurt, injured animal at the end of a herd that a predator gets a hold of, that's a sacrifice because, mm. you know, all of life is happening. But it can't all be sustained. So it does have to give itself up for other parts. So in that sense, yeah. things do get sacrificed. So when when we have a barbecue, that is a sacrifice. So it's just about having that reverence. So maybe we do have these rituals. Maybe we do have certain things that we do to commemorate that, um, you know, and really use it to see the bigger picture, certainly. Hmm. I think it's an appropriate way to to look at it. Okay. I agree. Uh, we were uh, having a discussion right before this. We did a two-hour show with Juan and Gabe, 
and Mark from MFTIC, and actually a lot of things that we've talked about this evening, we we kind of touched up on in the show too. But especially the for sacrifice. You, yes. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. No, I was kind of buzzing off that. We had a whole two hour combo. I didn't even bring up a lot of stuff I wanted to bring up, so I got to get a little spread on that. <gasps> but uh, yeah, the sacrifice of um, like without us knowing it, without us doing it, like we live in this time that we're, 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 we're doing these kind of like rituals without us realizing it because it's so a part of the societal custom. Um, it's, it, it's, it's quite, it's, it's, it's alarming. But when you can step back from that, cause uh, I went and did the, the vegan plant-based thing for almost three years, two and a half years, almost three years. And it was during that time, was incredible like a step back from like i was i was like disgusted with like you know the meat for a while like i really was like i was really like i was just taken abash by all of this like gluttony that was there and you know i since have been back on that train um you know, and it's kind of like this like strange wheel. It's got like a little flat part over here, you know, and you get all the way damn near, you're almost with full, ro- you know, full rotation. And then you get stuck on that flat part. You need a little push again. Right. Uh, and so just, I don't know, like there's something with the, this, 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 like the sacrifice and just like an intention of it, you know, like without, we have to be really fucking careful when we're, when we're, sacrificing you know the low it's like the the low part it's like sacrifice it's it's a yeah i don't know it's i i'm i'm really mixing up my words here but it's really deep you know and it's 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 hard it's some energetic stuff yeah you can't sacrifice something that doesn't belong to you what are you losing what are you giving up so when we're talking about if if we're talking about satanic cults and practices where they're doing these sacrifices of animals or children or, you know, men, women, whoever, um, the only way that that could ever be considered a sacrifice is through coercion is by convincing somebody, you know, yeah, you want to do this. You want to give your life for this. You're cool with this because otherwise it's not a sacrifice. You're not losing anything in it. So it's kind of inferior magic in that sense, because it's nothing that you're giving up. It's a little pathetic. Wow, that's, that's so true. That's, that's an incredibly important thing I, that I'm going to ring, ring that bell on. Like that's, that's yeah. And, and like the black, black is part of that black magic when you have, you know, convince somebody that they, you know, that they need to sacrifice and it's for the greater good of everyone else. That's like the really weak part. Like that's the really dark part. That's so true. Wow. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're too much for me, man. Um, <laughs> ah, sacrifice. Uh, so do you think like sacrifice can be uh, used in, in good context? Is there, if you're sacrificing like your sheep that you raised to get something out of it, is that okay? Or is it like it kind of explain that a little bit more, like the differences between good and bad sacrificial. I mean, you explain the bad part, maybe explain what a good sacrifice would be. 
I mean, you're starving and you have animals you can consume. That would be, you know, if that was the only method that you could use. I mean, now people are finding out, you know, I think Snake Jones was talking about in one of our chats, somebody that was sustaining themselves just on energy and air. So, which is pretty next level. So, you know, that's what I would say, you know, if it's your life, you know, but you still have to make that choice. You know, am I, is this, is it worth me killing this for my survival? You know, is that a sacrifice that you can make? That's completely up to you. You know, if I think that ties back into with your karmic debt also. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. What you do to the earth while you're here. I think it could be a beautiful thing, especially if it's something you've raised yourself and you've given a good life. And when it comes time to take that animal and process that animal, you do it, you create some kind of ritual in a way where it's, you say thank you to the animal and thank you for the sustenance that you're about to provide me and just give it a nice way out. You know, not like the factory system where they just pile in a bunch of chickens and just cut their neck, throw them in, you know, like this giant vat with other chickens. No, you can make it a beautiful process. And same with hunting animals. I think if you hunt in a way where it's uh it is a ritual and you give thanks, um, it can be a beautiful thing. It's all about the intention, I think. Yeah, 100%. And I think even, and I've said this before too, um, internally, you know, we talk about sacrifice, things that we love, you know, when we're going through an internal transformation, it's completely acceptable to sacrifice things like victimhood and trauma and pain. That's all valid because the only reason you're holding on to it is because it's such an integral part of your identity. So that's completely a worthy sacrifice to make. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to kind of wrap it up right here, right on the sacrifice part. But uh, because, you know, that's how we roll. But no, I wanted to have everybody say like what they believe the divine feminine is to them. And then we'll wrap up with that. And then uh, we'll do uh, plugs and all that stuff. Uh, Buffalo and Lakes, why don't you go ahead and start? And what does the divine feminine mean to you? When you hear that word, what does it make you think of? What is it? What feelings does that bring up? And um, kind of go with that. Sure. I would say for me, it's someone who, is deeply connected with themselves and um, their creative power. Um, Kind of a balance of masculine and feminine energies. Um, You accept your, your shadow side, you know, but you don't let it rule you, but you're just full of um, creativity, being vulnerable, um, living freely, authentic. That's what I think. Honoring your body and your cycles, that's what I think the Divine Feminine is. Yeah, I think um, the Divine Feminine is the balance of the masculine, the receiving end of, you know, the giving end, the, I guess you would you would say the, the negative charge to our positive charge, the thing that gives our 
our yang, the yin, the balance. So whatever that is, however that manifests, I think as long as if you're in a woman's body and you're really feeling that and you're giving off that divine power, people will feel it and be receptive to it. So I think it, it has to do with that energy as well. Elaine? Um, when I think about it, I kind of reminds me of like of all the different archetypes of, you know, being the maiden and the queen and the huntress and kind of pulling bits and pieces from each one of those things to make the complete energy being that you can, the best one you can make, I guess, or create whatever. Um, I don't know. I, I'm kind of torn on it, actually. I feel like a lot is pushed on toward um, women having to be super feminine or follow the, you know, the certain stereotypes in a sense. And um, I don't think that that's really necessary, but um, yeah, I don't know. You go for it, Rachel. <laughs> no, I love what you're saying. Cause I think you're right. Um, Cause it's just, it's a pure existence. It's being it's yeah. presence. Um, it's absolutely creativity, but I do admit I love the destruction part of it too, because you can tear something down and make something new out of it. Then that's an incredible ability. So I think that's what I think about when I think about the divine feminine. Excellent. <laughs> Roman. I think about my mama. I love my mama. Um, I think that God uh, is probably androgynous, but probably mostly a woman. If it were, uh, that's anything. what I was going to say. Yeah, you know, I think that's. I think we can all come to that conclusion. It's like you know, you know. I think men took over the world at one point. You know, through their through their jealousy <laughs> yeah. and through their lower vibrational things, and there's a shift that happened. And when that shift happened, the, the you know this major uh, divine connection was lost, and therefore we lost the connection to the mother. And that's why we only have mommy issues and trauma and connection issues and compatibility issues and just fucking issues left and right. But once you start to connect more with your body and nature and all of those good and beautiful things, then Harmony. baby, you tapped right in, baby. Let's go. Harmony. Harmony. Yep. That's what that was, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say uh, uh, divine feminine to me is kind of about that feminine energy, that information, that knowledge that exists. Uh, I connected kind of uh, Sophia with uh, Asherah and Aka and the Akashic record and the knowledge that we all possess in this, uh, this realm that we live in. And so this knowledge has kind of been taken from us existentially, but it still exists within us that we can connect to, but we have to seek it out and look for it and acknowledge it. And, uh, like what you're saying, like, yeah, woman is the creator. She is god she is the creatrix so i think uh that's another part of it that we kind of forget you know it takes two to tango right you can't just create shit from one so you gotta have two so hermetically inside as well as out yeah yeah takes two um and so that's what it is to me so 
thank you guys all for joining us. Uh, Rachel, uh, go ahead and shout out anything you got going on. Tell the people where they can find you and all that good stuff. Uh, um, I'm on Minds at Valkyrie Sparks on Telegram as Sunforge. And you'll find most of me chatting it up on Odin's Alchemy. We're going to be doing the Poetic Edda, masculine and feminine point of views, starting this next month. And I'm on Flow States. Going to hop on to some Weaving Spiders for that. Excellent. Excellent. My flow and legs, what you got going on? So we are False Reality Check. I'm Buffalo and she is legs. we're just uh we're we just talked to John Paul Rice today. That was pretty fun. And we have some uh other great episodes coming up, but we we can be found on Rockfin and uh everywhere podcasts are yeah, everywhere podcasts are sold. Um we're on the socials, FRC pod. Um we're on Telegram at False Reality Check. That's about it. Oh, and they can people can always email us. We like to get like funny emails from people. Stuff. so it's like frc podcast frc at, podcast at proton mail there we go com. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys for having us this is a lot yeah, of fun yeah, elaine what you got going on oh you know same old thing <laughs> excellent no. um, yep thanks for having us it was fun yeah thank you thank you all for joining us uh you can catch us rising from the ashes patreon go check out our patreon on patreon right uh we got cool new shit up there that's not on the regular feed so three dollars a month go go get you some wait wait, wait, three bucks ones only yeah baby let's go (laughs) (laughs) really go sign up it's really great we got uh, individual shows you know all that shit Let's go. Have a good night. Thank you guys, everybody. Uh, this is way better than I thought it was going to go. All right. Thanks, Fire Tribe, for joining us. And wake <laughs> up. Wake up.